Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hello, and welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. My name's Christine Heath. I'm coming to you from Hawaii, and I'm here with my good friend and uh, one of the smartest people in the world. (laughs) Judy Sedgman. I hate to even claim that, but... (laughs) Anyway. I think it's true. Wise and smart. That's hard to... uh, It's hard to find. Takes one to know one. (laughs) My my husband's father used to always tell him that some people are so smart they're stupid. And that is not the case with Judy. Oh, thank you. Um, So today we're going to talk about um, insight versus beliefs. And this is um, a really important thing, both um, in when we look at traditional psychology, because we get certain beliefs about how we should be and what we should do and what we need to do to be healthy and you know, we have to like have this diet and meditate this many minutes and do yoga and go to therapy and process your life and all, they, all these beliefs about what we need to do to find mental health, to live in mental health. And they call them things like um, self-care and um, like managing your stress, different things like that, um, that are all based on the belief that you have to do something to be healthy. And what we're going to be talking about today is uh, the difference between looking at um, applying beliefs to your life, which usually means you get thinking way too much and you're going a million miles an hour trying to be healthy. And um, seeing that insight is when you just see how to, you see life from a different vantage point. And so you see what to do that's healthy. Like I had um, a woman that I was working with when we first learned about the principles. She was in one of my groups and she was in the recovery program and had been um, clean and sober for a, a year or two. And um, she went to her job and on the way to her job, she bought these flowers um, on, from a vendor on the street. And she came to work and put them in a vase. And one of her friends, who was also in the 12-step program, walked by her office and saw the flowers. He said, oh, wow, flowers, where'd you get them from? And she said, oh, I bought them on the street for myself. And he said, oh, what a healthy thing to do. And she she said, I just cracked up laughing because it didn't occur to me it was healthy or not healthy. It just seemed like a really nice thing to do, something I wanted to do. And and she was just thought it was hilarious. She said, I just have realized how much I lived in this world of how to be a healthy, sober person. And these yeah. were the kinds of things you needed to do in order to be that way. And she said, but really, I just saw it as a positive thing, thing I want to do, something I wanted to do. It had nothing to do with me being healthy or not being healthy. You know, so it, it's it's just interesting how we get these ideas and thoughts about 
how we should be. I mean, even even in, within our work, Judy Sedgman and I will have people, you know, because we do these podcasts as you're listening, so you know we're doing these. But um, sometimes we'll say things that are like our personal thoughts about things or like I might make a political statement or something like that. And people are going, how can you be consistent? You can't be teaching the principles if you're political or uh, you can't be, you can't be a good three principles person uh, if you're uh, not doing something right. Yeah. Like it's just funny how people get caught up in their thinking about what it, uh, it all is about rather than understanding we, we all think differently about things. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. I had a client one time who was um, involved with this guy that, that, you know, he was less interested in her than she was in him. And she was a divorced woman and she was in her forties and she was like, uh, you know, really anxious to remarry. And so she thought she'd found the perfect second husband and she really was pressuring this guy. And she said, you know, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to try to send him to uh, one of these principles seminars because I feel like, you know, if he really understood the principles, he'd realize that he loved me. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, what if he understood the principles and realized that he didn't? <laughs> and she said, well, when you understand the principles, you just come from love, and uh, you know, you'll love whoever loves you. And I thought, wow, she's got a belief system around the principles that is just amazing. Yeah. But, you know, it made perfect sense to her. And she didn't realize that was just her belief about the principles. It wasn't. The principles are a neutral understanding about life. And our insight that we get from wisdom will guide us in our life. But they don't cause us to do what other people want us to do unless it makes sense to us. <laughs> So I had to to uh, spend some time explaining that it would be really good for her to take care of herself first and then, you know, allow life to, to play itself out in terms of her relationship with him or whoever she was going to have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. And the funny part about it was that when she finally did quiet down and calm down, she realized he would be a bad person for her and she dumped him. <laughs> she said, oh, I'm really glad I didn't pursue that. And I said, well, it's really funny how when we calm down and we really start to look for wisdom rather than acting on our, our, the urgency of beliefs, you know, when a belief becomes urgent, like I know this is true, I believe this is what all my friends say. So this has got to, I got to do this. You know, that's, that's very different. It's like, uh, when I was at a certain age, I guess we were all in our 30s, a bunch of my friends were having um, breast enhancement. And so my husband said to me, oh, maybe you should do that. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to do that because I knew just enough to know that I didn't really want to put silicone into my body in case it might leak. And um, I said, I don't think it's a really good idea to put those things in your body because then you got in the rest of your life and it's a part of your body that could get hit or bumped or, you know, the implants could break. And I just don't want to do that. He was like, I don't know, they all look really sexy. And I'm going like, well, you were fine until all these other women started getting false breasts. If you want to marry somebody with false breasts, feel free. <laughs> you know? So anyway, I never did it. And the worst part about it, and I feel very sad to say this, but one of my very dear friends actually died because uh, 
one of the implants in her breasts broke open and and I think she had an underlying condition that made it worse but the uh, the gel seeped into her body and she got some kind of infection and it, it just you know she ended up dying and I mean that not that I would ever predict or want that for anybody but it's just that my common sense before I even knew that that could happen you know when I started reflecting on that my common sense came to the surface and said you know that's a foreign substance you don't really want rolling around in your body. And I think that that's, uh, I, it's, it's so easy for people to see it once you see it. It's like once you've had the experience of getting an insight that really changed your life, even though it might have been a very tiny thing, it might have been a very small insight, but in the whole scheme of life, it wasn't going to be, you know, the theory of relativity or anything. Uh, you you realize the power of it, the incredible power of living from insight, as opposed to adopting beliefs and then acting on you know pressure, the pressure of other people's beliefs, or the pressure of a belief that is very widespread, so you think you should believe it too, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it was just um, I, you know because we're old, we can look back in our life, and there were a lot of theories that people had that cre- and, and belief systems created about how to do life that we have later on realized were really stupid. You know, okay. there, there wasn't enough information about it that, that we would understand. And so um, as you, as you go through your life, you're going to find that and it's innocent because everybody kind of is in the same ball where, Oh, okay. This is how it looks is, I can see this half of the ball there. Therefore, this is the way, this is what balls are, are like half domes, you know, but you find out, oh, there's a whole ball out there. And that's really what a ball is. And that's kind of an, in evolution. But I think that because we spend so much time um, thinking, we make up beliefs about just about everything, about how to be healthy, about how to, um, get over trauma, about how to uh, get over an addiction. I mean, there's a, a zillion beliefs out there. So people are like reading all these books, these self-help books about people's theories about it. Like I had a, a client the other day say to me that she was she's going through a divorce and um, her husband had an affair. And she said that she somebody gave her this book about how children um, – uh, have trouble getting over affairs, the father's affairs of the father and how that affects them. And so she said, well, what do you think about that, Chris? I said, I think you shouldn't be reading that. And she said, why? I said, well, it's just what I think. You got to do what you want to do. But I'm telling you that there's, there's kids that react badly to that and there's kids that don't. And you have to take a look at how your kids are reacting and see how to get them grounded in their own mental well-being. And then they'll handle it in the best way they can see how to do that. But when people are looking for answers, first of all, they, they go looking for, like, what problem's going to come from this bad experience I went through? Like, you know, how are my kids going to be damaged? How am I going to be damaged? And they read these books telling them that this is how they should feel and this is how they should be. And then they worry that they, they're not being, they're not like that. It's kind of like the story you told about the, uh, the woman going through stages of grief. 
it so you in the end understanding the principles brings you back to seeing what is happening in my life and how can i operate and and deal with it in a way that takes me towards peacefulness calmness security and joy that's the direction we want to go and if what you're doing is getting you all caught up and getting you more insecure because you're getting caught up in other people's beliefs about what 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 should be happening or what they think is happening you you never find peace because there's always somebody else that's got a book on something else yeah you know i have a story about that that's kind of interesting when i was a young teenager my parents both smoked and so did all their friends and so did everybody back then if you aren't as old as we are you wouldn't remember the world in which everything was smoke filled rooms and and there were ashtrays everywhere and even on airplanes so i you know i asked my parents when i would be able to smoke and my parents said well when you're 17 um you it will allow you to smoke you know i it's sort of like you know, it's part of growing up, but you're too young to start now. It's, it looks very bad for a young teenager. So, you know, when I was 17, I was allowed to smoke. Well, when I was 20, the Surgeon General's report came out <clears throat> that said smoking is dangerous and it causes cancer. That's the first that any report had ever come out. And it was a Surgeon General's report from the president's, you know, uh, office. And it was intelligent people read it and thought, oh gosh, you know, we've been wrong about this. A lot of people just quit smoking. A lot of people couldn't. So I remember my father read the Surgeon General's report and and sent me a copy of it. And then he said, you know, you've got to stop. You know, I'm sorry. We should never have let you stop. We, if we had known this, we would have never, you know, encouraged you to go ahead and start smoking when you got to a certain age. Look, I, by that time I was already smoking. So, you know, and it's not that easy to stop. And I was in college and everybody smoked. So, but a number of years later when I was married and I found out I was pregnant, <clears throat> I stopped smoking because my body would not accept anything. There were a lot of things I stopped doing because I, when I was pregnant, it just made me sick. And the whole time I was pregnant, I thought, oh, I can't wait to start smoking again when I get through my pregnancy and blah, blah, blah. And a friend of mine came to visit me when I came home from the hospital with my baby and she's in her little cute bassinet on the chair, his little rocking bassinet that was next to my chair. My friend comes in and hands me a carton of cigarettes. She said, I know you've been talking about wanting to start again and, and I'm sure you can't get out and shop and everything. You just got home. So I brought you some. <clears throat> and at first I thought, oh, that's great. And I opened the package. And just as I was opening the package of cigarettes to take one out, um, the baby made this cute little baby sound. You know how babies make these little, <laughs> and I looked down at that beautiful, pure, innocent little baby. And I, I had the insight, this child has no choice about the air she breathes. I just saw that, that, that I, I, it wasn't about me anymore. It was about the fact that I was the mother of a child who couldn't leave the room, you know, to get a breath of fresh air. And that if I were going to pollute my whole house with smoke, uh, it, it, it just didn't make sense to me. And I put the cigarette back in the package and I put the package back in the carton and I handed the carton to my friend. And I said, thank goodness we were smoking the same brand because I'm not going to do this. And I never smoked again for the rest of my life. And now that's the difference between insight and belief. 
because all through the years that I was, I would try to quit and I couldn't quit and people would tell me I should stop smoking and I would know I should stop smoking, but I didn't. And sometimes I'd cut back and then I would start again. But when I had that insight, it was so obvious to me that, you know, insight is like a pure thought. It's, it's a thought that's so clear to you. It may not be clear to anybody else, but it's clear to you that that's true and that there's something powerful in that. And then, and then it's easy to change. It's just easy. I mean, it was not at all of a problem at, for me at all. And then I told my husband about it when he came home and he said, well, if you can quit, I can quit. And he quit too. So we never smoked and our child never had smoke in the house and we didn't let other people smoke in our house. And by that time, the whole world was changing anyway. But that's the difference, though, between forcing, trying to adopt a belief, you know, change, trying to force yourself to change your mind because somebody told you you should or because you read some art, article and actually getting quiet enough, being fortunate enough to have a moment of quietude in which you see something so clearly that it just seems like, of course. In, in fact, if you have to keep telling yourself, right, about something, you got to keep telling yourself why it's okay for you to do this thing. Like, it's okay, I, I can do this because blah, 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 blah. You got to keep thinking about it. That's, that's like your insecurity really coming through saying, you might want to step back and take a look at your beliefs about this. Because the beliefs look so real that they feel like they're, they're coming from a higher source of uh, of life, but they're just your thoughts, your beliefs, the way you put together the information and it's creating a feeling of insecurity. So you better take a look at it if you need to like argue or fight or prove yourself all the time. Sid would always say, you're, we're trying to prove our ego all the time, trying to prove what we know or what we believe to be true. And when you're doing that, you've got to do a lot of thinking, A, and B, there's a deeper part of you that may be trying to get your attention to, to do things differently, to change. Sometimes I think even within the, the three principles community, it's really easy. I know for me, I did that when I started learning about the principles, after a while, I formed a belief about it. And I could talk about them. I had the right words, but the feeling wasn't there. And so it, you know, we make up all kinds of, um, of thoughts about what it would be like if you lived at a higher level of consciousness before we were actually at a higher level of consciousness. Right. <laughs> right? And yeah. so I thought, okay, it, um, you know, there's a lot of what Sid would call wishful thinking with people that would get into like, okay, if you live a good life, and you're quiet, and you go deeper, you'll um, uh, uh, be healthier, like you won't get sick, like somehow that your state of mind would pr preclude you. Now, part of that's true. It's like you're, you know, when you're really stressed out, your immune system's affected, but we're all human beings, and we all live in the condition of our human being. So thinking that somehow you're going to be not affected by viruses or not affected by uh, things that are going on in the world is silly. That's that's how we live in in both worlds, the spiritual world and and the world of reality or the physical world. Yeah, and 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 so you have to use common sense, right? That's the deal. 
And our belief system sometimes keeps us from doing that. So, you know, it's, I, I know when there was a, there was a show called the book called the secret and that came out. it was funny because it was about how you could manifest wealth. Basically that was the underlying thing there was, and there were some things in it that were true, but mostly it was about thinking differently so that you could be successful. And um, I remember that after that came out, Sid, we were talking to Sid and he said, you know, it's just wishful thinking. He said, if there's a pair of diamond earrings in the window of the store, you can think you want those all you want to, but unless you do something to get them, you're not going to get them. <laughs> going to fly out the window at you. <laughs> right, right. So then it was, wasn't short. It was like that book came out. It became a bestseller. Everybody was reading about it. And I remember like the next year, the two years later, we went into this recession. <laughs> I yeah. thought, well, so much for wishful thinking about wealth. <laughs> wealth, yeah. That was funny because I had clients who, for a couple of years there, when the book was very popular, almost everybody I talked to would say, well, what do you think about the secret? Is that what you're talking about? And I'd go, no, it's not what I'm talking about. And, uh, and we'd have to explain to people, you know, it's like if your little boy – wants a bicycle you don't want him being told that the secret is to think about that bicycle all the time and somehow it's going to manifest in his life unless you can afford that bicycle you know if you're going to give it to him then it doesn't matter but you know you don't want to give people the idea that all they have to do is is sit around and wish for things and they're they're going to fall on their lap on the other hand the the grain of truth in that is if you dream if you have a direction and, you, and you're open to it, if it is possible for you, you will see it. You know, like we had, when I first started working with Dr. Bill Pettit, um, we used to sit around in, in his uh, office lunchroom and we often would eat, bring, bring lunch in and, you know, and I would go over there and eat with the staff and him because it was a good chance for me to learn and, and, um, and I remember they, one of the counselors was talking about, you know, someday this has got to get into a medical school. It's just going to be, it's going to be in a medical school. And we all thought because he was Dr. Bill Pettit that it would be him that would end up going to a medical school. And so we used to ask him, like, what medical school do you think you'll go to? And he would say, oh, that's ridiculous. That's, you know, don't even think about it. That's, that's so far down the road. If it ever happens, you know, it's going to be, it's not, don't, don't waste your time. And the funny part about it was, you know, like 11 years later, I ended up at West Virginia University Medical School and then invited Bill to come and speak. And the dean just loved him. And then he was invited to join as well. And it ended up in a medical school. And yeah, we had talked about it, but we, we didn't spend the next 12 years trying to figure out how to make it happen. So a lot of times there are things in your life that seem that look possible to you and they seem like it's a great idea. So like what made it open for me, like when the dean talked to me about it, it seemed possible to me because I, it was a thought that I'd had before, you know, and I thought, oh, this must have been what we were thinking about, but we didn't know it back in the day. And it seemed like, okay, yeah, I, I guess maybe that's a good thing to do. I didn't have as much doubt about it as I might have had um, if it just came out of the blue. But at the same time, if it had never happened, it wouldn't have ruined my life. And I, and I think that that's the other thing you have to see. The grain of truth and the secret is that people have visions and ideas and dreams of something that they might like to do. 
And if that dream is alive in their heart and mind, their thinking might take them there if the opportunity is out there, but it might not. And that's the idea is if you wait for insight, you'll never be disappointed. Or it might come in a different form. Like I remember Sid told us that somehow that someday this, these three principles would change the field of psychiatry and psychology. And that psychologists would come and we would change the world. And so we set up the first clinic, real the first real clinic in Minneapolis, Joe Bailey and I, and we were sitting there waiting for psychologists to show up. And I'm like, what's the deal? Where are they? I'm like, <laughs> and then I realized that uh, we had all these chemical dependency counselors and I didn't count them because they weren't psychologists, right? Yeah. Like I always had such a thought about it that I didn't even see that it was happening without my, me even realizing it. And I remember that moment. I was like, oh, oh, I had a thought about psychology. Yeah. All, this is what he was talking about, a much, a much bigger view of psychology yeah. than psychologists, right? So, I, and I remember that it was because it was, it's like things you, you kind of, um, you get a feeling about something and then you got to let it come to you. It comes to you sometimes in a way that you never thought about. That's the magic of life to me is that things happen in, in a beautiful way that go beyond what you could think about today. And yeah, so it, it's, it's really letting, letting the, uh, the, your understanding of the principles and understanding how you work, allow these insights to come to you and your life will, will become a picture of that. Yeah. And not getting frightened by your insights, not second guessing them. Well, we've done it again, Chris. Yes, we have. <laughs> well, it was great talking with you, Judy. And it was great oh. to be here with all of you. Yes. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com.